The Down Below podcast was our last best hope to analyze. We failed. But in the year of the spoiler war, it became something greater. Our last best hope for answers. The year is 2015. The show, Down Below. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. And I'm Heidi. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Ian can't be with us this week. Hopefully, he'll be back next time. And Elizabeth will be joining us when she gets her computer issues straightened out. <laughs> but today, we are joined by two guests this week. One's a weekend visitor, and the other one is brand new. Say hello to Lori and Carl. Hey guys. hey guys. Hey guys. Hi, I'm the person who does all the crazy like ratings and stuff. So hi. Yeah. We love your crazy ratings, even though we don't understand them. <laughs> also, I'm not going to explain them. So. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's better to leave stuff unexplained. That's right. Mystery. Then there's no expectation. So Carl, how are you enjoying Babylon Five so far? Brand new. Um, I'm enjoying the story a lot more than I am the like special effects, but it's good. Yeah. Well. To be expected, there are 20-year-old special effects. Um, it's nice to see people being introduced to Babylon 5 for the first time and enjoying it. Okay, well, today we are here to discuss episode 5 of season 3, Voices of Authority. But first, here's an ISN special report. an ISN special report. Earth is reeling from the recently released video footage reportedly showing President Clark plotting the assassination of his predecessor. Over the next hour, we will hear from legal experts, political insiders, and even alien representatives to try to figure out what this all means and what this could mean for Earth government. But first, the results of our listener poll. We asked you for your thoughts on the President Clark situation, and you responded in droves. 30% are calling for an immediate mind wipe. 20% believe the footage to be a hoax. 10% take it even farther and say it is a Marzi conspiracy. 15% feel it, it doesn't matter who is president, nothing is going to change. 10% believe that President Santiago deserved it. And 15% are asking that the word assassinate be removed from the dictionary and replaced by stroke off. It was the dawn of the third age of comics, 15 years after the rise of the Comics Code Authority. The Bronze Age was a dream given form. Its goal? To portray superheroes in a way that was socially relevant by tackling real-world issues. It's a catch-all, a place to explore monsters, demons, gunslingers, gods, and superheroes alike. Writers and artists wrapped in house styles of sophisticated realism, creating the stuff of legends. There is no assurance of quality, but it's our last best hope for comic books. 
this is a retrospective of the true golden age. The year is 1970. The name of the podcast, Uncovering the Bronze Age. Tune into our feed for regular content at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com. Also home to the Quarterbin Podcast and the Short Box Showcase. The Voices of Authority originally aired on January 29, 1996. There was a two-month break after the last episode. First one of the new year. Hmm. This was, um, was this one done out of order? I think I read that. I would think so. I saw that and just kind of glossed over it a little bit. I think they needed time for the special effects or something like that. Yeah, like the other, the one last week was put in front of it and that was more of a standalone, so... Um, they were able to switch them or something like that. Uh, something, uh, it was directed by Minasim Benetsky, who last directed Hunter Prey. This is his last episode that he does for hmm. B5. And it was written by JMS, of course. Of course. So let's just head to the recap. So the episode begins with Jack and Garibaldi talking fashion. <laughs> Zach doesn't think his suit fits. Garibaldi gets called away with a fake code, which Zach wonders what it means. He's never heard of it before. Oh, Zach, you're getting far too inquisitive. Don't ask questions of Garibaldi. Right. So did you pick up on, I mean, I, I read this in the Lurker's notes. I know, Carl, you said you got it anyway, that the ill-fitting coat, you know, is a metaphor for Zach right now. You know, yeah, not... I say I get everything because that way I get more <laughs> impressive. Yeah. For him not fitting in, not knowing where he's where he belongs. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that at first, but it turns out Garibaldi's going to a war council meeting. Marcus is back. Yay, Marcus. Let's see him since the first episode, yeah. Delenn proposes they should go looking for some of them first ones to help fight the shadows. This was interesting. I this came out of nowhere for me. Like I didn't <laughs> even think about there being others i don't know why but it never occurred to me though you all had been wondering about the walkers or at least you and elizabeth had Uh uh-huh and what they were yeah i guess i just i don't know thought that they were somehow related to either spider or vorlon i don't know yeah this whole Uh, all these other things out there it's like okay now Now I feel like we need to um, think in terms of like uh, uh, Battlestar with like the original 13 colonies or something. (laughs) There's something about what she said. She said that they thought all the first ones went beyond the rim then. But legend says that some sleep in ancient places. So which one do they? I don't know. (laughs) It sounded like she was kind of contradicting herself. Maybe I'm just interpreting it wrong. Like, when did they start thinking there might be some left behind if they thought they all left? Yeah. Well, at some point, someone (laughs) postulated that (laughs) maybe they were just tired, and so they took a nap on their way to the rim. Maybe somebody ran into one, and then that's where the legend started. I don't know. Well, Well, you know, gas is so expensive these days. It's true, yeah. (laughs) Getting to the rim, you know, that would cost a fortune. I ran out of gas before they get there <laughs> and just decided to stay. Marcus says, you know, maybe we shouldn't go looking for them. These guys could kick our butts pretty easily. 
They wanted to by accident and not really realize it. Ah, uh, Marcus, the voice of reason. <laughs> Delins says maybe oh, they can't avoid taking a risk any longer, so they need to go. And they're going to have help from another person, and it's Drawl. He's excited, even though doing this could get all of them killed. <laughs> He's so excited. He's hilarious. <laughs> I don't know. I find him a little bit over the top, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I like him it's in very, this scene. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's very grand. But then whenever I see him, I always expect that maybe we're going to get to see Zathras. And we never uh, do. No, no Zathras. <laughs> Nobody listens to Zathras anymore. <sighs> Poor Zathras. He never gets any screen time. <laughs> After the opening credits, Drawl says he has some information that could help. He has reports and whatnot that warned, that all ended up warning, do not approach reports of weird things. And he wants Sheridan to come down in four hours. Hello, everybody. Hi, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Oh, hey, Elizabeth. Hey. Hey. Sorry about that. (laughs) Hi. It's funny when people join the calls. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Babylon 5, how people just pop up unexpectedly. (laughs) Yeah, that happens here. (laughs) Next, we have Zach gritting Julia Masante. She's going to be meeting with Sheridan, and she knows her way because she studied the design of the station. (laughs) It kind of reminds me, I can't remember. I think there was a character on Star Trek who, yeah, the lady... Yeah, it's a character who came in to help during the board crisis. I think she is. Oh, yeah. The Enterprise. Yeah. yeah, she does have a little bit of those same mannerisms. And she was a really kind of hot blonde, too. Yeah. What did you all think of her? I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't like the way she acts. That's for one. That's one thing. I mean, she's like overacting kind of like she's in like a 40s dame in a play. She's projecting to the rear, the rear audience there. I don't know. I mean, I think if she was maybe a different, had different mannerisms, if she was more subtle, I would enjoy her. <laughs> yeah, she bothered me. Like her acting bothered me also, aside from just disliking the character and what she's been sent there to do. I feel I like her all acted- the characters in this episode, she is one of the least over projecting characters. Although she does. Really? Oh God! Yeah, like, I mean, Drawl and oh, um, Drawl. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> other guy, Marcus. Yeah, Marcus they was a bit that. much in this one. So I Drawl, wonder if she was yeah. a stage actor too. I don't know. I would, I didn't have much of a problem with her acting. I just thought that her character was kind of kind of meant to hate her. It worked. I okay. I know that the character was named after two B5 fans, Julie Helmer and Mark Masante. Oh, yeah, I saw that. That's cool. And this actress, I forgot to write down her name, but she was on the cover of Playboy in April 1980. (laughs) (laughs) She she was in On Deadly Ground with Steven Seagal, wrote some (laughs) novels, and she was in kind of a softcore. Yeah. (laughs) She was in kind of a softcore porno one point. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, that's <laughs> Tell me more. Interesting IMDb page. <laughs> that's on IMDb. Oh, it's because it's not an actual porn. Okay. Oh no, no. I, I'm just. I, I didn't look it up. I'm just speculating. I think I saw that on Wikipedia, okay. but yeah. <laughs> well, what kind of novels did she write? Oh, oh, I don't know. Um, I don't think it said. I can. Oh, it's okay, but it's, it was interesting anyway. That's kind of funny. 
I mean, we'll kind of get to it a little bit later, but like Jay, I was looking up the Lurker's Guide JMS notes for this one, and he talked a lot about how she's kind of supposed to be very direct, not necessarily over the top, but she's supposed to really, you know, put everything out there, and she's not supposed to be subtle. Like that wasn't the idea that mm-hmm. you, she and that a lot of her lines are taken directly from history, from Hitler, from you know, from lots of, uh, from like the McCarthyism days and it's supposed to be not subtle at all. So I guess that was the way she was directed to play it. Okay. She wrote several mystery novels featuring Callaway Wild, a wealthy LA socialite. Callaway Wild. Nice. Looking at the covers, is this her on the cover? (laughs) (laughs) Supposed to be Callaway Wild, I guess. Her website, you can see all kinds of pictures of her. Anyway, <laughs> I, <laughs> you're finding that Playboy. Uh... <laughs> Suddenly, I'm very interested. Uh, you can see her Playboy covers, and anyway, <laughs> yeah, you can look that up on your own time, Carl. <laughs> Jakar is asking Delin about all of her close meetings she's having with Sheridan. He thinks something's up, but she says it's just normal business. He's heard the word rangers mentioned a few times, and sometimes he's just talking about humans, and sometimes it's Minbari. Delenn doesn't know anything. Jakarl gonna keep. He's gonna keep asking around, even though, well, since she won't help. So she yeah, lied. Is, yeah, she did. She's been. Yeah, they've had to lie quite a bit lately. Mm-hmm. But I think we're getting there to uh, what we. I guess we were talking about in Heidi's prediction that Jakar is is gonna get involved. He so wants to be involved. I know. He's, he needs a purpose. He's begging to be involved. <laughs> He's like the younger, you know, kid next door. That's like, can I play with you? Oh. Why won't you tell me? You tell me. Why won't you tell <laughs> He's me? He's so passionate about everything. Yes. Yeah. I really thought by the end of this one that they would let him in. No. No, I guess nice. Garibaldi has to translate. Uh, Jaquan from the Narn. Uh-huh, yeah. That could take a while. Oh, yeah. Not a secret if everybody knows. I mean, put it in Google Translate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they have, have those, like, the... translation machines or That'll whatever, That'll take right? 40 years. I mean, think about what Google did last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow, she has a Babylon 5 trading card. I wish I had a trading card set. Well, maybe for Christmas you'll get one, Will. <laughs> did one. I guess they did one for everybody. You ever you're gonna show probably every character. Wow. Every main, well, you know, and the guest star. Any sort of main character. Not the background extra, but you know. Does Kodoth have one? She probably does. She better. <laughs> Be a special edition trading card. <laughs> Julia is being nosy in Sheridan's office, criticizing his decor. And we find out that she's been assigned there by the Ministry of Peace to be the new political officer. She wants him to do things in ways that reflect more favorably on the Earth government. And Sheridan sends Zach away, and he says this is his command, but she assures him she's just there to advise. Decisions already been made. He can't do anything about it. She should suggest dinner at Fresh Air so he can fill her in on what's going on around there. He says he's got something to do, like go to Epsilon 3, but since he can't tell her that, he just says he can cancel the me. So, is this whole thing she's just trying to seduce him? I mean, 
This is so weird. It is very weird. It is very weird. Yeah, Here, I was, take me to dinner. Yeah. I order it. <clears throat> yeah, JMS kind of said in the notes that she was, because people had talked about, oh, it seems a little over the top, and that that she just was supposed to do everything in her power to, I don't know, get him on board, and this was probably something that she's done a lot, seduce people, and she's been successful at it, so she was just throwing it all out there. But, yeah, it does seem a little bit over the top. And, had we, uh, okay, go oh, ahead. No, go ahead. I was just wondering, had we heard before the term that there was a B5 Senate Oversight Committee? I believe so, yeah. I seem to remember hearing that mentioned before. Um, I mean, she has a point, if you think about it. I mean, we know that the government is, you know, is becoming this totalitarian fascist type thing. But, I mean, she has a point with everything she says, which is, you know, the the civilian section of the population and the the elected representatives do you know have a right to oversee the military and you know so everything she says makes sense in like in the context of the political realm but you know obviously we're on the side of sheridan and so you know we don't like that and we know that the government is corrupt and so it's an interesting it's interesting to see that and 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 where your loyalties tend to go, and then, and then what she says is actually, you know, correct. So, yeah, and it seems like she's saying pretty directly that if you don't, you know, fall in line, we're going to get rid of you. Which I'm surprised hasn't happened already. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'm, it's kind of disappointing that she had to go at the end of the episode because I want to see what that advice would look like. You know. Yeah. Or maybe I'm sure we will at some point to get to see it, but it's hard to tell. I just don't see how they could continue what they're doing with her there. And so I really wondered if she would only be in the one episode because it's like, okay, they can't actually have these secret meetings with her lurking around. It would get very comical. They they would be uh, found out very quickly, I think. Yeah. You have to have meetings and... (laughs) Well, yeah, Jakar already suspects and right. Yeah. They're not doing a very good job of hiding it already, so right. with the added scrutiny, it, it right. really wouldn't work. And Zach, yeah, he suspects as well. <laughs> Jakar must have his little spiders. Or, well, yeah, I'm like, that's a Game of Thrones. I'm like, spiders? No, they're out in space. <laughs> um, so in CNC, we see Clarence. Hey, Clarence. Hey, Clarence. Ivana gets a call from Sheridan saying that she has to go to Epsilon 3 in his place. JMS said that he's trying to get Ivanova off the station more. It's good to see her. <laughs> Sorry, there was a pause after you said off. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she gets tends to be do do some more of her diplomacy stuff. Her, her own yeah, special this- style of yeah. diplomacy. Right. Yeah. This is a big mission for sure. Yeah, first contact with the well, yeah, first contact with the first one. So Zach is escorting Julia to her quarters. She wants Zach to fill her in on what Sheridan does it until she can get Sheridan to come around. <laughs> That's what I was wondering if that happened, but I think JMS said that no, she never, he never, she never seduced Zach. Yeah, that's what he says in the notes. But I don't know. What did you all think, Elizabeth Heidi? I didn't know what to think at the time. I think later I 
kind of th- thought they didn't do anything. Yeah, I didn't think that they did, but I uh, think Zach was hoping for it. Right. Yeah, yeah he, he looked very downcast about the whole thing later uh-huh. on. So Yeah. Next, we see Vanova heading down to Epsilon 3. Drawl's not too happy to see her there instead of Sheridan, but she wins him over. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Of course. Uh, the way he speaks in this scene, yeah, you can... <laughs> no, yeah, he was definitely uh, interesting the way he spoke. I mean, was he... He was pretty over the top last time we saw him, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. That's just how yeah. he is. Yeah. And- I think I said before you got here, Elizabeth, that I found him funny. Like, I liked it. But I need to keep the subtitles off my screen because I think it would be funnier if I didn't accidentally <laughs> see the line first and then have him mm. take 10 years to get there because he's so. <laughs> <laughs> like, you read the whole True. thing before he's <laughs> actually said it. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So, wait, so Ivanova has been down to Epsilon 3 before, right? She was there yeah. with yeah. Sinclair? Yeah. She's still amazed by everything. She was there with Sinclair, but she didn't go down with Sheridan the first time, right? Because that was only right. Delenn or something? Okay. Yeah. I wonder if he went of a... Yeah, didn't she say she peed her she... pants or something when she went down? Or... <laughs> yeah, something or is... like that. <laughs> Sinclair say that? In Fresh Air, Sheridan says they're in the lull between storms. We haven't seen Fresh Air in a while, I don't think. Yeah. It's a date place. That's right. I've been going to Earhart lately, yeah. Julia shares their rewritten dictionary with Sheridan when they talk about all the problems in society. Oh, like yeah. Very PR new PR kind of. Yeah, PR. that's what, yeah, 1984. Yep. That's exactly what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. It was just interesting to, like, to just see her say it, you know? There's no yeah. hiding anything. She's like, well, we're re- rewriting the definitions of things. I know homeless people have just been displaced. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, she she's not trying to be subtle. No. And at the end, she finally... I'm, I was surprised at the end, she finally just kind of comes out and admits <laughs> what she's doing, kind of. What did she say? She's, she said... Yeah, she said it is when we rewritten the dictionary. Oh, right, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no point of trying to lie to him. He obviously understood what she was doing, so... Yeah. Yeah. She was really hungry. <laughs> the whole episode, she's eating all the time. Yeah, I don't know. I think he just had a drink, didn't he? I don't know if he had anything. Yeah, he was like refusing to eat, I think. So you're, gonna, you're not going to eat that? I'll take it. <laughs> she had noodles and soy sauce. Yeah, Sheridan doesn't think problems will go away because you ignore them. She's like, you know, I think I could come to like you. <laughs> At the end. After that, we see Ivanova get plugged into the Matrix. Mm. Like how Draw didn't remember to get out of the machine first. <laughs> and then he had to dust himself off. <laughs> this was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. She has to get in. She has to relax, but she can't stray away from the path. So <laughs> she she goes out focusing on the first ones and eventually reaches Sigma 957, which we haven't seen since... Mind War, I think, the episode where Catherine Sakai almost got killed out there. Well, I'm glad we're coming back to this, because I think we were all like, what about these giant creatures they saw before? (laughs) What are those? She can tell that the first ones were there, and they're coming back again soon, and something's wrong. She's not alone. It knows she's there. Okay, so so if it knows she's there, what is it seeing exactly? Is she, like, floating in space, or... (laughs) 
I was like wondering uh, what the other perspective was that it could know she was there. Feel her. I don't know. Is it the is it the creatures that can see her, or are we talking about the shadows? It's the creatures. I thought creatures. Okay. Seemed like it was all in her head, and you know, it was all maybe like psychic somehow, rather than you know, because she obviously wasn't physically going anywhere. Right. Kind of projection, maybe. Yeah. It's so funny that they can record the projections, but okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. Science, science fiction and stuff. Yeah. SOD. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. SOD. She, oh, Draw says it's the enemy. Go back to the pad. That's what made me. But are they talking to the, the walkers as the enemy, or maybe talking about the shadow? I don't know. Who did yeah, y'all think the enemy was? I, I I think I just assumed it was the shadows. Yeah, I thought that maybe the shadows had come in too because I was like, okay, are they also looking for the old ones? Oh, yeah. I don't know why they would have looked like that in her projection, like all these little bright lights and but I called them the disco race. <laughs> 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 yeah, they didn't look anything at all like shadow ships. Yeah, no. So it's this kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Or was it just her mind? You know, the enemies of maybe it was a diff- maybe it wasn't like a physical enemy. Maybe it was like what whatever you know using that thing does tries to pull you away or something. I don't know. Dum, dum. So I wonder if he like drawl has to be careful of where he goes too in terms of like being seen or probably yeah i mean you know that he can be that. seen because when he pops up in <laughs> b5 it's like oh here he is so do you think if Ottawa is like floating like a hologram in space their body <laughs> I don't know. Like That's out just there, what is that <laughs> she got pretty good at it though she was able to pop up you know right into Sheridan's quarters. Yeah. That was fun. At the most inopportune moment. The best <laughs> time ever. <laughs> and then she's leaving. Um, going back, but she says there's something else. She sees Earth Force 1 before it exploded, but it's just a shadow of long ago. She sees Clark, he was then vice president, talking to someone about how he's wanted to uh, Santiago to die for so long. And we see Earth Force Earth Force 1 explode, and then she's back on Epsilon 3. Draw says a normal human mind shouldn't have been able to do that. They're going to record the message because it's proof that Clark was assassinated. Um, There's a lot going on right there. Interesting. (laughs) I did not predict this. No, up until that moment, like when he said a normal human mind, I hadn't even... Like, the fact that she has psi abilities didn't even enter my brain. And then I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. 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 And I I don't know why it didn't occur to me that Morden was involved in Clark's, you know, ascension. Um, but that's pretty cool. Okay. Now I understand why he was there on Earth. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes sense. I mean, it makes complete sense. If you think about it, uh, exactly what happened with Londo and not exactly, but I mean, it makes complete sense that he would be, you know, offering these people that were going to get power, these favors. I don't know why I didn't think about it. Uh, So, yeah, he was offering 
uh, Clark favors just like he offered Londo favors. Mm-hmm. What do you want? Guess he asked Clark that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so Londo was really the only one that. Well, actually, Jakar answered, but he hasn't gotten it yet. <laughs> Didn't he? He said he wanted, like, basically, like, revenge. Yeah, but I think it came down to the fact that he didn't re- well, he was, not that he didn't really want it, but he was saying in the end, it doesn't really matter what I want. I guess he's more, he's not, he's not bad at the, you know, like. Yeah, it wasn't the kind of answer that could be manipulated. Mm-hmm. Take advantage of as much. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, here's a, something JMS said. My sense was that basically Ivanova jumped onto the wrong path as she fled. The shadows were in proximity, and she ended up briefly on their path, which took her to the interception of the transmission. Oh, okay. So it was the shadows. Interesting. Carl, we were talking about how it might, or it seemed like, you know, how was it, I don't know, it seemed like it wouldn't have been an accident that she would have found that transmission. Yeah, it seemed pretty random. <laughs> yeah, I think it was probably something that actually the shadows did to create strife within the Earth people because, like, they're manipulated like that. So, me. Hmm. Maybe. That would be interesting. We just want some belly rub. <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to your podcast, and that's so. I had never watched. Oh, never mind. I won't talk about Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk about Terminator. <laughs> so Sheridan and Julia go into her quarter. She says she's been locked out of hers. Very convenient. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> talk about how it's. <laughs> Just out of context, this sounds so dirty. They talk about how it's bigger and how they tried to charge him extra. I don't know. Um, Julia tries to do her part to win Sheridan over. She's naked all of a sudden. Yep. Yeah. All of a sudden. I know. The camera goes over, then goes back to her. She's naked. It reminds me of, of, like, in Buffy, you know, when Anya does that, and then (laughs) Xander has the juice box. If oh, yeah, had a juice box, yeah. that would have been. <laughs> <laughs> she got out of the clothes pretty quickly. But then Ivanova just pops in without warning. And Sheridan kisses Julia to stop oh, her so from awkward. seeing Ivanova. Yeah. <laughs> Ivanova, she had a great expression. <laughs> Very Both comical scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was she... taking a long look, though, first. But <laughs> his eyes were going down. Yeah, Carl, you think, commented on that. <laughs> I, I think I said when we first started the show that watching it now, there's some the humor doesn't work and some of it does. I think this scene worked and some of the stuff with Drawl actually worked. Uh, he tells Julia to wait so he can go into his bedroom to speak to Ivanova. Sheridan says it's not what it seems. And I like how Ivanova actually believed him on a lot of shows. She was like, oh, of course. Right, it's not. yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's like, I don't know. I wasn't sure if she believed him or if she was just didn't care, you know, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like she was busy trying to convey, you know, what she needed to convey. But I, yeah, you're probably right. She probably believed him. But it, <laughs> I don't know why she would. <laughs> right. She because knows person. him pretty well. <laughs> she knows shit. He's served with him before. <laughs> oh, he was fully dressed. So. <laughs> true. 
I'm surprised that she didn't, you know, say something like, okay, well, you can tell me about that later. <laughs> well, she yeah. has that other really good line that no one's going to say yet. Yeah. <laughs> Ivanova explains they need to leave now to go to Sigma 957. So he's going to send her and tells her to tell Garibaldi and he'll need someone who speaks Mimbari. So she leaves and Julia enters the room and Sheridan makes an excuse to leave. And he did look her up and down. Uh, and he sleep. mentioned it was too cold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised to see this on TV back then. I know. I was thinking that too. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I guess this was. Yeah. This was 96. Yeah. That was my junior year of high school. I'm just, you know, I remember um, that infamous NYPD blue scene. Um, yeah. Wasn't that in the 90s? Yeah, that was probably before this. Yeah, and that was different. They gave, like, well, I remember they always gave warnings. I guess it wasn't different. I guess they could have done the same thing if they wanted to do something. I don't know. I don't know how NYPD Blue got away with that. I know, because they were on, like, network. They were on either ABC or NBC, right? NBC. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. So there's a question to JMS about why Sheridan just didn't get rid of her, and he says... There's the difference between, this is the difference between TV logic and real logic. In TV logic, yeah, you should have tossed her out, but we try to be real about the B5 universe. She was sent by the Senate Oversight Committee with the backing of several governmental offices over which Sheridan doesn't have jurisdiction. So in the real world, you just can't toss somebody out the door because you don't like them. Not if you're a career, career military officer who answers to a civilian authority. Very true. Yep, makes sense. I was yeah, wondering. Good point. I was wondering if he was going to get rid of her by like reporting her for sexual harassment or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, good point. Probably just sent somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> Ivana believes for Epsilon Three, and after that, Jakar is asking Garibaldi where Ivana is because she missed a meeting. I think she would have had somebody cancel all her meetings. Maybe she probably and she was probably in a rush though. Garibaldi was probably supposed to do that, and he forgot. He forgot. <laughs> because we're not going to blame that on Clarence. No, well, Clarence isn't in on it. So, oh, <laughs> I think he would be loyal. I think he would too. Let him, let him in before Jakar. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be like, "Look, everyone knows your secret now. Even that guy over there." That guy doesn't have a name yet. Jakar just wants to still be treated with respect. He senses a gathering of forces that can help his people. Jakar, Garibaldi says he doesn't know anything that could help his people. Yeah, he seems kind of in it to you know get help for his people. He thinks they might be doing something. So selfish, trying to save his own species who's oppressed. Yeah. <laughs> because he does know about the shadows, some little bit at least. Yeah, what does he know? I can't remember well, the stuff in the Jaquan. Right. Uh, okay. So. Yeah, and that ship was destroyed going to the uh, Shadow Homeworld, and and then he saw the. Um, he saw the video. Yeah, the video. Yeah. Right. Okay. He doesn't really know anything about them, really, but except for what was in the Book of Jaquan, right? Which is that they right. were there a thousand years ago on Narnia, right? Okay. Right. Yeah. Next, Julia is eating again when Zach finds her. (laughs) 
And she says the captain has a lot of creative ways to say no. And Zach is like, I would have said yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she chastises him and he goes away. And Garibaldi is watching this the whole time. Poor Zach. <laughs> yeah. Garibaldi did not look happy. Zach so do y'all think Gar- should Garibaldi or should they have been bringing Zach in because mm. or or not? I or, feel like or doing more on them. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, he's doing part of more the night watch. Keep him happy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's got that thing on his arm, so they've known he's been right. the night watch. Probably wouldn't trust him. At this point, he can't really quit the night watch. It seems like once you uh, become night watch, you're not really allowed to quit. Yeah. I mean, that's just the yeah. sense I'm getting. So, I mean, he's kind of still. Stuck. It, yeah, he's kind of stuck, but at the same time, he still was dumb enough to join. So, <laughs> I don't know. He's, I don't he's in know. A high I just position of authority, though, to be. He is like being alienated and and not getting along with Garibaldi. Yeah, that's a hard one. I don't know. I see him getting into it at some. I mean, obviously, I think we're probably going to come to a point where he has to decide. You know, once he has that knowledge, what he's what he's going to do with it. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, we got last minute. <laughs> um. On the White Star, Marcus is going to be the translator, and they leave for Sigma 957. What is What does Ivanova have against Marcus? I don't know. I don't get it. Anybody have an answer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently not. He's got that great accent. You know, he looks like Aragorn. What's, what's not to like? <laughs> He's got those ranger skills. Yeah. So, Carl, you thought he was flirting with Ivanova. What did you guys think? Because he was. I did, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely got that. Well, I kind of did at the end, like near the end. But I don't know where it's going to go. Um, since, I mean, I don't know if she's, she's. I think she's bisexual, right? They haven't, like, full on, they haven't said anything, like, actually. But In the 90s, could someone be bisexual? I know. It's like. Does she have to be one or the other? Right. That's yeah. yeah. Well, they established um, what when her ex was there, she was married in the past, so right, it's yeah. ambiguous at least. Yeah, and they never specifically said that she was with Talia. Right. You so, know she was. We have, <laughs> I know. We know she was. We know that, but but they could go back and say, well, no one ever actually saw it, so. Julia speaking to the Night Watch um, is now inappropriate for Earth Force, Earth Force personnel to criticize the government. And she says since they're an arm of the political government, they have more authority. And she shouldn't be telling them this, but she tells them that some members of the government are going to be purged on various charges. They've been betrayed on nearly every level. They have to keep Earth safe and ideologically pure. That doesn't sound familiar. <laughs> Does it sound good? It sounds interesting that Earth has one ideology. Where have we, where have we come from, and and where are they now? Like Earth is all on one ideological front. That's that's a big step. Well, they weren't um, as of season one because Sinclair brought in all of those different religious um, groups, and I wouldn't think that everybody in every different religion would be able to agree 
I think that's the rewriting the dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, very 1984, like Carl, you were saying, very animal farm. That's just Stalinism. Yeah. I mean, he talks about in his notes how, yeah, he, he was very much all a callback to early Soviet um, propaganda. And I guess, oh, did you all posters. notice the posters? Yeah. Yes. It was supposed yeah. to look posters. like um the the stalin poster yeah yeah the soviet poster and like we were pausing it last night and looking at it and on one of them they said in notes that it's supposed to be a raven we kind of thought it looked more like a parrot but (laughs) that but but it's like supposed to maybe be a raven and that's kind of a callback to the raven that Mm. was in the dream sequence something and then the other one says ever vigilant work and we couldn't figure out, like, they were holding something in a hand, like a hammer. I don't know. What did you think it was? I just was, it just reminded me of, like, a hammer and sickle type thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if if it spe- specifically meant something in the context of this episode, or if it was just supposed to recall that type of, you know, artwork. I don't know. But maybe it just means that they're not being subtle. They're just, it's just a <laughs> hammer. <laughs> Yeah, that was his point in the notes is that, and at least in this meeting, that these are the people that, you know, they're night watch and they're basically being threatened either if you don't keep going along, you're going to be one of the ones that's disappeared. And she's not trying to be subtle about it. Right. Yeah. We're going to be purging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll be purged if you don't go along. Yeah, some of the night watch members don't seem to like what she's saying. They're even having problems with it. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's like Zach joined up because he just wanted the extra money. Yeah. Oh, Zach. Now he's the thought police. <laughs> As Sigma 957, Ivanova's impatient and she's tired of waiting. Marcus might be getting on her nerves a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and suddenly a big old ship appears. Yeah. And the white star her as an energy drain and a head appears. This was in disembodied head. Yeah. I'm not sure. Helmet yeah. People. Huh? <laughs> You're the flaming helmet people. Oh, there we go. Sigma piece. I was thinking the mirror in Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure what to think about the head, but uh, the ship is definitely the disco race. <laughs> <laughs> that was a cool looking ship. <laughs> <laughs> disco fever. They get upset when she mentions the Vorlons and the head leaves when she asks for help. And JMS said, this is a little translation because some words don't translate, but basically what they said is the Vorlons can kiss my ass. (laughs) (laughs) We got that. Yeah. That's interesting. (laughs) The Vorlons are like the bratty. uh, I don't know. Like that's, that's interesting. So all the first ones weren't happily existing together before. (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) The, yeah, there was a question about who's older, the shadows or the walkers. And he said the shadows by just a smidge. Hmm. That is interesting. So the walkers are just these particular ones. Right. Yeah. The ones that are those. Okay. And Delenn, I missed the beginning, but Delenn knows all this because of Drawl, right? Because she didn't have this knowledge before. They thought they were all gone. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. First she said they thought they were gone, but then she said, oh, legends say this and this and this. So like, Yeah, there was like a, a 
we're not sure why they think this and then they think this too. <laughs> There's a contradiction. Yeah. She it, wasn't it, it clear. Was, no. But I, I thought maybe, okay, because they, they were like, oh, we think that they're around certain places. I thought, okay, well, I don't know how she would know that. And then Drawl shows up, but I'm like, uh, okay, Drawl must have seen them and then let her know. Cause yeah, it could be. They were pretty definitive about them, the Vorlons being the only ones remaining. Right. Before, I mean. JMS said that the spine sticking out of the... Walker's ship is made of a computer model of a human foot bone that's replicated. What? In a re- yeah. That's so fine. I didn't even notice. The effects people call this the foot bone ship. <laughs> or, or disco ball. I like the disco yeah, ball better. Yeah, disco football. If we could hear what's going on on the inside of the ship, it's all disco fever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they've been all these years, just dancing. Right. <laughs> Better than sleeping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're back on the station. Sheridan and Garibaldi are watching that message that Ivana recorded. Sheridan's going to send it to General Haig so he can get it to the right people and it can't be traced back to them and has a code in it they can use to verify it isn't fake. It's so interesting that in the same episode that they say you know, that the Earth government is so ideologically the same or whatever, that then they have this piece of evidence that's going to like, I mean, you you just have to wonder what's going to happen with that. You know, how are they going to, um, how are they going to get past that? You know, that's just very interesting to me. I mean, they were able to basically quell all the footage of the shadows. So I wonder, I don't know. Just seems like they they have this such united front government, and then they have this piece of evidence that could really do a lot of damage. So, I like that they kind of did both of those in the same episode. Yeah, it's like, will they be able to suppress it, or are there actually a lot of active factions against the government, and they're just right. not talking about it? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Which I would will no, support no, no. them. They're all yeah. mentally unstable. That's yes, why. that's true. Yeah. That's, there's a lot of mentally unstable. I was thinking during this part, can't stop the signal. <laughs> yeah. Get it out there somehow. Ivanova's pacing on the white star. She's patient. The head returns and says, Zog, and the ship starts to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Zog. <laughs> and what does Zog mean? No? Zog, yes, Zog, no. <laughs> Probably means bugger off. I like that word. We have to incorporate it. <laughs> Sulk. Marcus says something about the ancient world long god Boogie, and that gives Ivanova an idea. <laughs> so is that really the ancient Vorlon god name, or did he just make it up on the spot? Yeah, JMS says he made that up. <laughs> she tells the first ones that the Vorlons are talking smack about them, and all they need are the Vorlons. They don't need walkers anyway that was so risky (laughs) but they didn't really have any other option at that point i mean they were leaving i guess it's it's completely unclear why they need their help and how they can help but yeah i mean i guess so but of course if they hate the vorlons you know yeah (laughs) the friend of my enemy the enemy of my enemy is my friend i guess I just want to see, like, meetings. 
with like disco race and the Vorlons like bickering the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> It'll take two years to make that episode with <laughs> no. the special effects. The Vorlons are just being cryptic. The other ones just say Zog. It doesn't always <laughs> fair. Yes, Zog. Good. <laughs> So the head reappears and speaks English for the first time. It says, when it's time, come to this place, call our name, and we will be here. So what exactly is their name? <laughs> I know. I was like, uh, like you wait, played... Excuse me. You, I don't know your name. There's some kind of note about that it's a really, really long name. And so they, like, maybe there was a cut scene where they had said it and they had to take it out or they didn't put it in or, or something like that. Or it's really hard to it, say, it, like, Mixtius Pitalik. Yeah. <laughs> What's that from? Superman. Superman. Oh, oh, okay. So, yeah, and when he actually speaks English, that's actually the same guy that does the voice of Kosh. I heard it the second time I watched it. Oh, but really? It's like, that's got to be Kosh. Sounds like Kosh. Oh, actually, I just found the reference. He says, the uh, recognition signal is their name, which is 15,000 letters long. We had to cut <laughs> this line for time, so I can't repeat it here. <laughs> I think he's making that up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Boy, they uh, they can't call on them if they're in a real hurry, can they? Yeah, they have to start that message like a few hours before right. they actually need it. With JM, about the voice being the same, JMS said that he figured some elements of the first one should be consistent, but some should have specific differences. Okay. Odd. I didn't realize it was or the same Or they didn't voice. want to get a new voice actor. Right. Yeah, it's there you easier go. to use the one they already had. <laughs> it's like, you know, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Yeah. He said he thinks the walkers were amused to see this dinky little ship getting in their face when they knew they could just blast them to bits. So it might not have been that they were mad about, you know, whatever Ivanova said about the Gorlons. They may just been. That was lucky. Yeah. After that, they see a, we see a news report about the recording of President Clark. There's going to be a closed Senate hearing. Garibaldi's telling his staff just to keep everybody calm, and he mentions that Julia's been recalled to Earth to deal with the crisis. Bye-bye. So do you think she's really high up, and that's why she was called back? Um, she's, the, uh, hmm. she's the best they got. Or they just needed to get her off the station. That's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Does Zach and Garibaldi get to talking? Garibaldi wants to know what Zach told her. Zach says he didn't tell her anything important. And Garibaldi doesn't like him working for Nightwatch. Which I think we kind of picked up on that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Zach says Garibaldi doesn't trust him because he brings up the point of that fake code that doesn't exist from earlier. These guys really need to get better at this whole uh, lying and espionage stuff because they're not yeah. very good at it. No. I like this scene, though. It was pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. I think they both had points and I think it exactly. rings true. You know, Zach would feel a little hurt by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause he is second in command and yeah, I, I'm not sure that Garibaldi is really playing it right. Alienating Zach so much. It's a fairly high risk. Yeah. Because at this point, if Zach were given the option to betray them, he might take it because he doesn't feel like he's, uh, being respected, and um, then he's being lied to, and so you know he if, shouldn't have joined the Night Watch. Well, yes, but <laughs> but yeah, that's still, a hard decision. Yeah, yeah, hard 
side at this point because he is so entrenched now with the Night Watch. But he could he be like a, a spy for the night, you know, against the night. I don't know. But the Night Watch is not really hiding anything. So, <laughs> and Franklin was gone. So I don't know. Was <laughs> Franklin? Oh yeah, no Franklin. That's why this episode was so good. <laughs> <laughs> Zach says he's in a difficult position, but he and he says, You're my boss, we have to work together, but just don't talk to me the rest of the day. Yeah. Just like guys, they're over it by the next day. Yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow everything will be fine. Yeah. Ivanova's feeling Sheridan in about the recording, Earthdom saying it's not real, but Ivanova and Sheridan know the truth is out there. <laughs> and they have to hope it'll do some good. And then Julia's leaving. She's telling Zach that he'll see, he should, he should see that she's right. And he asks her about that code and she's never heard of it. And then we hear an announcement that her ship is ready, the Loki. I like that name. Yeah, I don't, I'm not super familiar with Norse mythology, but I'm sure that has something to do with her. <laughs> but Loki was like what? Like, like a shapeshifter trickster, right? Yeah, the trickster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if they're, saying something about who she really is or maybe she's not I don't know. I don't know. That doesn't really make sense, but she promises that sooner or later they'll find out who's behind this uh, leak and they'll be punished. <laughs> yeah. They'll be punished. And Garibaldi is awakened at night. It's Jakar. <laughs> <and> he <laughs> gives Garibaldi the book of Jaquan to tell him to read it and we'll talk later. And your body goes back to bed in a bad mood. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. Wait, oh, wait, did we talk about, um, was it Ivanova and Sheridan talking in that kind of strange place? It was a set that we'd never seen before. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, when they're talking about the recording. Right, right. And we couldn't figure out why they were there. And I had thought, well, it was so they couldn't be overheard. But yet they right. have all those meetings just in his office. Actually, I made that comment. So okay, well, <laughs> what? Where? Where? Where were they? Sorry, I don't remember what it looked like. There's just some random place. I don't know. This is one of the secret meetings. I don't know. Yeah, it looked like like an in between levels kind of place, or you know, engine. Uh, n- not the regular like you know where people would be. Hmm. Okay, no, I don't like remember. maintenance area. Okay. So maybe he thinks that uh, his office is bugged now. Well, you know, people could pop up on the screen and he's well, like, yeah. hey, what's going on? Exactly. Drawl could show up. <laughs> <laughs> Any other points that we missed? Um, Bill Blair was an alien again. There was a little... Okay, when Jakar and Garibaldi were walking and talking, I think I might have caught... Um, like a boom mic on the side, or some crew member uh, standing to the side when they're when they're going down the hallway. Maybe that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, hmm. I forgot to do quotes. I have notes about which quotes I wanted to go back and get the full version of, but I forgot to go back and do that. Anybody else have any quotes? Yes, let me get to them. Yeah, hold somebody on. else can go first. Yeah. I do know this one. Exciting, isn't it? <laughs> Some other line sticks out in my brain after all these years. I really do like draw. I need some humor in all the that's, darkness. That's true. He, he, he does lighten it up. 
There's a lot of funny stuff in this episode. Yeah, I was just... Sheridan and Ivanova. Oh, wait. I've got... Somewhere I've got Ivanova's quote. Um, let me find it. Um, While you're finding that, my quote is... To quote the human phrase, it gives me the screaming oilies. <laughs> <laughs> and also, their look right after he says that is priceless. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they um, all look down. Yeah, I have a draw one to Ivanova. I like you. You're trouble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this delivery on that made it hilarious. So I've got the Ivanova one. Um, I think you're about to go where everyone has gone before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. What did she say? Looks like she's already all, all over you or something like that. Yeah, I very fine the, before that. Looks like she's already all over you, or something. <laughs> I have a note about Zach's butt. He said something about a butt, I think. Yeah, he says, I look like I'm wearing a circus tent. Any minute now, a, a little teeny car with 16 clowns in it is going to come flying out of my butt. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have Ivanova. I'm not letting them leave here without saying yes. Marcus, really. But how do you propose stopping them? Perhaps a big red and white sign with the word stop on it? I'll put a bucket <laughs> on my head and pretend to be the Vorlon god Boogie. And Ivanova, that's it! Marcus, fine, <laughs> I'll get a bucket. <laughs> oh, and Marcus's line, a little bit later, I think you hit a nerve. The Vorlons must owe them money or something. <laughs> At least it tells us that they understand our language. They're just not willing to speak to us in it, Marcus. Who knows they were French? Or who knew they were French? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, he's British. Uh, yeah, yeah. JMS so. said he threw that in because he thought, it, you know, those kinds of things just don't go away. That <laughs> you know, those kind of animosities or just tradition would be carried forth. Even if they rewrote the dictionary. Right. Well, maybe the British didn't rewrite their dictionary. <laughs> Sheridan says something about needing a bottle of whiskey. I can't remember the full Yeah, quote. he needs a bottle of whiskey, a gun, and two bullets. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a bad day. <laughs> At least he was going to take her with him. <laughs> <laughs> so we're our characters of the week. Who is human of the week? Uh, Not Julia. Ivanova? Maybe? Yeah, I had Ivanova, too. Yeah, I think so. But I want to hear uh, who Carl has. I, of course, have somebody who is not a main character. I have Bartholomew, the questioning Nightwatch member. <laughs> <laughs> Asked about, like, civilians and isn't this extreme? That guy. He was pretty good. Standing up a little bit. Had it, they, they said his name? Or did you just give him a name? No, no, I just gave him a name. Okay. okay. Nice. I was wondering if he had on a name tag or something. <laughs> Who's our alien of the week? Um, uh, disco alien head. No. Yeah. <laughs> Who else do we have? Well, not Thrall. We pretty much have. Thrall. Yeah. Delen now. Thrall, Delen, Jakar. Uh, yeah, the, the aliens were pretty cool. Yeah. They're different. What do we call him? Disembodied head? Walker, yeah. Call him Zog. Zog, yeah. <laughs> we'll give him that name. I think who I'm did you have, Carl? Flaming helmet people, who are my alien of the week. <laughs> Episode. Very nice. 
All right, let's do ratings. You want to start us out, Carl? Actually, before we do that, I have a couple new things. Wait, I'm not all using the notes. Okay, so I have my new set of the episode, which is the security office, because I really liked how they (laughs) shot in this episode. Um, My lie of the episode was given to uh, Bono, not Bonova, um, Delenn, who lied about not knowing what the Rangers are. And yeah. I think nice. Those are good ones. Mm-hmm. And my rating is two flirting. <laughs> two flirting. So who? Lori? Yeah, we're um, <laughs> uh, Okay, uh, my rating, um, I like this episode a lot. I mean, it's, you know, it does definitely move the plot along, but, you know, it's. You know, probably not the best of the season, not necessarily my favorite. So I'm going to give it 7.75 political posters with parrots on them. (laughs) (laughs) They're pirate political posters. Yes. Uh, What do you say, Heidi? I quite enjoyed this one. Um, Aside from, like, making contact with some of the other old ones, not like a lot of big stuff happened. But things that are going to have ramifications for, I'm sure, lots of episodes to come. Um, and I enjoyed, I think, pretty much all the storylines this time. I mean, I hated the woman from Earth, which <laughs> I was meant to do. So uh, getting that emotion is uh, is always good, whether I... <laughs> Whether I wanted her to, you know, disappear quickly or not, it's still good that she made me feel something. Um, because sometimes the guest stars don't. <laughs> so, um, oh my rating! I have a I'm having a hard time reading this one because I feel like I liked it a whole lot, but it doesn't seem to have that much influence. And so, okay, I'm gonna go. An eight out of ten disco ball ships. <laughs> I want to see ten disco ball ships. <laughs> Excuse me. How about you, Elizabeth? Yeah, I like this episode because I like um, all the Earth government stuff. So that was right up my alley. Um, I don't like. I saw like I don't like, but it, it just feels weird whenever they come back to like the planning meetings. Cause it's almost, it's like nothing's really happened in the meantime, but it's like they have these little planning meetings and it just feels odd. Um, the coming war with the shadows. And I'm just like, are, are the shadows, do they have training camps somewhere? Are they mobilized? Like, I don't know what's going on with that, but I, I don't know. I like, I like that this whole thing with Clark is now on the open and I can't wait to see what's going to happen with it. Um, I like that they're bringing an antagonistic character to the station. Um, because that'll hopefully, you know, create some more drama coming up. I mean, I don't know if she's going to be back, but I, I would assume her or somebody like her will be back. Um, and I always want to hear more about what's going on on Earth. So I'm going to give this 8.5 Dolores Umbridge and Coulter hybrids. <laughs> well? Oh, sorry, I was talking about my mic was muted. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll say my Benadryl's kicked in full force, so I may pass out any minute now. Great. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I really like this episode for all the reasons you guys are saying. I like it's just really good. The only thing I didn't really, for some reason, the part where Ivanovo's doing the paper cut didn't quite talk about the paper cut. Oh but yeah. I, but I like Draw's response to it though. You're I like you. So yeah, I really dug the episode. I wanted to. I don't know. You like Heidi was saying doesn't seem that connected to the overall story that much, but it was well. Before about the first ones, but I really enjoyed the episode. I gave it nine out of ten failed seduction attempts. Hmm. Uh-huh. Good one. All right, let's head over to Feedback Land in a disco ball ship. Woo-hoo. Yay! Party all the time. <laughs> first, we have a comment from Board Ninety Nine. I'll take that one. He says. Voices of Authority has a couple of things that illustrate what is, for me, one of the flaws in JMS's writing. He's drawn to political stories, and he's very good on the big stuff that brings with it. Focus on the overarching themes, communicating the overall sweep of history, investing key moments with a sense of significance, and, of course, moving speeches. But the little things, not always so good. JMS is prone to produce very simplistic resolutions of what should be complex political situations. A lot of the time, they seem to be trying a shorthand, more complicated and lengthy developments. Two examples from Voices of Authority. Example one, the bedroom farce bit with Masante trying to seduce Sheridan. To be fair, it is bedroom farce, so a lack of subtlety is okay from a genre perspective. Whether or not JMS should have decided that that particular genre is B5 needed at this point is a different question. And I can see a defense of it based on the idea that it reduces the overall process to its crudest form for dramatic purposes. But the best one approaches, but, but the moment one approaches it as an sensibly realistic way to achieve Masante's sensible goals, one realizes that this is a pretty dumb and unreliable way to go about achieving them. At the end of the day, if Sheridan does sleep with her, how does that guarantee anything from her perspective? He's single, so she can't blackmail him. He's not likely to fall in love with her overnight, and it's just a bribe. And the thing about bribes is you have to have a good reason to believe that the person will stay bought. None of this suggests that she's bothered to study Sheridan's file before coming to the station. It's not good if the sinister evil forces of darkness seem dumb. A shame after the excellent dinner scene in which Masante comes across as intelligent, trying to seduce Sheridan with calculated displays of honesty. Example two is a lot worse to my mind. Ivanova using the magic power of childishness to provoke the first ones to change their minds about a decision of cosmic significance just because she said that the Borlons had something mean about them. I don't mind the show showing us that the all-powerful elder beings have feet of clay, I do mind the show trivializing big diplomatic developments that we're supposed to take seriously. The rest of Voices of Authority is pretty good, though. I agree with the second one. I do agree. That was that was dumb. Um, The first one, I just was so confused. Like, I didn't even I I couldn't even figure out what was happening, like why she was doing that. So I assume there was a better reason. (laughs) Yeah, he makes a good point that, yeah, even if he had slept with her what yeah what did she really gain mm-hmm. yeah it, it just to me i i guess i just I, I mean if i had to say anything it would just be like her wanting to have access to him at all times so it well, is she might have been able to spy on him maybe or just like getting more access to him more right. getting more comfortable with her or 
whatever. That's the only thing I, I mean, I guess I could think. Not that she would necessarily think that he was indebted to her or would be more, I don't think there was like going to be an immediate, you know, reaction where he would immediately trust her or not trust her or confide in her. It would just be more of an overall, you know, getting closer to him. Thing. Yeah, because it's not like she was... Uh... I feel like that would actually just make... Go ahead, Carl. I feel like that would make him even less trusting of her, because that way she's like, you know, the tricksy person who like does everything in her power to win him over or whatever, but just right. Yeah, yeah, it didn't work. I mean, I, he's right when he says that she didn't study up on him very well. <laughs> um, and so it definitely didn't work, but I think somebody said in this podcast that maybe that's what she does with everybody else. I don't know. And sometimes it might work. Yeah, it maybe it does, you know. Vor goes on to say, just to clarify, I mean that example two is worse from the perspective of oversimplifying. Example one has other problems to do with the depiction of women that makes it more problematic in other respects. Thank you, Vord. Thanks, Vord. Good points, as always. Next, we have an email from Victor. Who wants to take that one? Uh, I'll take that one. This episode had just about everything. Drawl, the Ministry of Peace. Ivanova being cough diplomatic. Jakar making a pest of himself. And visits to Epsilon 3 and Sigma 957. Julie Musante is the representative of the Ministry of Peace. And this is one seriously Republican woman. I mean, she has some Rachel Duncan in her, although she isn't completely psychotic. That won't make any sense if you aren't watching Orphan Black, but you should be. Oh, I get it, Victor. I guess you should. Oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah. While she occupies Sheridan, Ivanova gets to go out and do all the fun stuff instead of pacing to and fro. It seems there is a learning curve to use the great machine on Epsilon 3, and her hologram's timing is no better than Drawl's. <laughs> Unfortunately, she didn't use the thing to figure out where Zathras was. Come on, Ivanova. <laughs> Although she did find evidence of Clark conspiring to kill President Santiago, and I'm sure that was Morden's voice on the recording. Oh, yes. You know, uh, Zathras is really slacking in his duties because he didn't dust off Drawl. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, Ivanova I want to see is, that scene where he's, yes, where he's like a like feather dusting. duster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Ivanova is an interesting choice to make the first contact with the denizens of Sigma Nine Five Seven. I'm not sure whether Zog is their name or just a general purpose greeting, but when they refuse to help, she says it's all good because the Vorlons had already told her that they were just a bunch. <laughs> Candy asses. Thank you, Will. (laughs) (laughs) Who didn't have any stomach for a fight anyway. Well, maybe not in those exact words, but you get the idea. I have no doubt that the walker could have squashed the White Star like a bug, but the reverse psychology works, and Ivanova lives to see another day. Not only is there plenty going on in this episode, but they also set up more to come. Garibaldi and Zach are having some trust issues, and maybe someday Zach will learn that when you're wearing a black armband, people tend to not trust you with sensitive information. (laughs) All in all, this one was extremely well-written, with snappy dialogue that almost made me think I was watching a Joss Whedon show. In particular, Marcus's crack about the French made me laugh out loud, so I will give this episode nine unpatriotic, troublemaking anarchists out of ten. Regards, Victor. Uh, <laughs> I mean, mentally Thanks, Victor. unstable. 
<laughs> Thanks, Victor. I'll take oh, Derek. Firefly so much. Oh. Yeah, I've been playing the theme song a lot lately. It's time for another rewatch. <laughs> Carl, do you watch all of Joss Whedon's shows? Carl? Yes, I'm talking about Mike. Yes, um, except for all of Dollhouse, which I've started, but... It gets that, better. Yes. It gets better. Yes. Okay, this is an email from Derek. <clears throat> Dearest Ambassadors and Honorary Ambassador Lori, and I'll add Carl because I don't think he knew that you were going to be here. Today we gather to talk and write about an episode of no consequence and no plot lines. I kid. This is a great episode and contains one of my three favorite all-time quotes from Babylon 5 ever. First, my odd little observations. There are at least five tailors on Babylon 5 to fix Zach's uniform. What is this, the clothing outlet mall of the galaxy? (laughs) We might not be able to get anything past dial-up internet on the station, but our pants can be hemmed in an hour. What a future. Apparently, Ivanova has a masochistic fetish. She enjoys paper cuts? Full of surprises. (laughs) Ivanova's mind mind travels remind me of Dr. Seuss drawings. Perhaps a great children's writer was author was actually one of the first ones. <laughs> then you have tiki masks that are flying mutant jellyfish who could come right out of I Saw It on Mulberry Street. We have the Vorlons, Shadows, and a guy who writes about green ham and eggs as the elders of the universe. I wouldn't want it any other way. Yeah. Good luck, Captain. I think you're about to go where everyone has gone before. Yes. Funniest quote in the whole damn series. <laughs> to keep the Nightwatch w- woman busy, they should just hook her up for a, hun- a 12-hour session of debate and meditation with Brother Theo. In fact, where is Brother Theo? I want my Brother Theo. A great show that had so much plot going on, I didn't realize they could fit it all in 44 minutes. Favorite human, Zack in his self-proclaimed ill-fitting suit. Favorite alien, Jakar. He's finally back and teaching Gary Baldy to read. How sweet. <laughs> Not really teaching so much as, <laughs> here, do it. Learn on your own. This almost feels like a to-be-continued story with several dangling plot threads. Still very good. I give it eight screaming willies out of ten. Or if someone has taken Screaming Willies, 8 out of 10 paper cuts that apparently excite and surprise a lot of us. <laughs> Cheers, Derek. Thanks, Derek. Thanks, Derek. Thank you, Derek. Uh, so we have an email from Melanie W. I'll take this one. Here are my, hi down below. Here are my thoughts on Voices of Authority. The first time I was watching Babylon 5, I did my best to ignore the fact that Ivanova is a latent telepath. I was worried that it was somehow become the only reason she hates the Psychor. Then I saw this episode. It actually turned out to be relevant for the plot, so I started accepting it. I'll be looking forward to hearing your thoughts about the first ones. Why do you think they disliked the Vorlons? To me, it seems like they wanted to know if the humans were willing to pick a fight with them or if they just wanted someone else to defeat the shadows for them. And maybe they didn't care. Or that's me saying that. I don't know. Jakar was one. Oh, sorry. I was just uh, her question because we didn't really talk about that, did we? Why they why they dislike the Vorlons? I mean, maybe the Vorlons were getting too involved in other in other species or or races or I don't know. That's my only guess. Or maybe it's because the Vorlons only speak in mysterious like <laughs> foreshadowings. That is that could be annoying. I can see that at parties being pretty annoying. Yeah, I can definitely get behind that reason. <laughs> Someone will be drunk and passed out. But who and why? <laughs> yes. Oh, well, you're in a disco ball ship. You don't want riddles. 
song. <laughs> Melanie goes on to say, Jakar was warning everyone about an ancient enemy returning over a year ago, and now no one is willing to tell him that they know about the shadows. What do the ambassadors think about this? What? Jakar was warning everybody about an ancient enemy. Yeah. Yeah, he's been talking about it for a long oh, time. Oh, you mean when when his the ships got destroyed? Right. Yeah. That was a year ago? Oh my god. It was in season two. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> I just think that they're hiding things that cannot be hidden, especially from him. <laughs> and I think that eventually it's gonna have to I mean, they're gonna have to let him in. There's like no way to to not because he'll keep doing what he's doing and asking everyone questions and it raises suspicion and yeah. plus Garibaldi is going to translate or find someone who can read the Jaquan and figure out that it was there all along and they need Jakar. So yeah. also I want to point out that there is further evidence that, um, that Dr. Seuss was one of the old ones because, uh, that word, what was the word? Um, Zog. Zog is sort of like in Horton Hears a Who, where little Jojo Who must uh, yell out a word at the end in order to not be um, thrown into the boiling pot of oil. And that word is yop. <laughs> so, <laughs> sounds like a Dr. Seuss word to me. <laughs> Melanie says, Meanwhile, Zach. I fell asleep in history class. Alan is finding out that being in a night watch <laughs> means, <laughs> means more than to walk around and get 50 credits a week. I yeah, he obviously did not to study sleep. earth history. <laughs> no. <laughs> or, it's be, or it's been rewritten. The rating 7.9. Bonus for first ones. 0.5. Final rating 8.4. Telepathically overheard conversations. Human of the Week, Ivanova, Alien, the French First Ones. <laughs> Quotes, there's the one about the warline god Boogie. Uh, next, there's the conversation that Sheridan or Musante are having over dinner, Sheridan. And uh, when did, exactly did all this happen? Musante, when we rewrote the dictionary. Then there's a um, Jakar Garibaldi. Jakar, I told you I could help. The Book of Jaquan. Read it. We'll talk afterwards. Garibaldi. I don't read Narn. Jakar. Learn. <laughs> At least give him a little Narn to English Dictionary. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's Ivanova. At least it tells us they're, they understand our language. They're just not willing to speak to us in it. And Marcus, who knew they were French? Best regards, Melanie, the Krakowian beer fan. <laughs> Thanks, Melanie. Thanks, Melanie. Our final email is from Corey. All right, I will take this one. Hello, CNC and ambassadors. I'm not sure how Ivanova had access to that scene of Morden talking to VP Clark. Judging from Will's episode description, get your feedback to mail at downbelowpodcast.com or we might remember things we don't want to. <laughs> Leads me to believe it was a memory. But how does Ivanova have a memory of that? Does the machine grant her access to other memories, or perhaps the, perhaps the, barn? Barn. The people that were in that one episode of Voice in the Wilderness who were trying to claim to get down to the planet. Oh, okay, that's right. <laughs> I was like, is this a misspelling of Narn? I had no <laughs> idea. Um, or perhaps the Varn witnessed it happen. 
And what is up with the new political officer? I think her name was Julie Musante. She seems very artificial slash programmed. I kept expecting to find out she's an android or she could be a plant <laughs> who was psychically programmed by the Psychor, Corey. Oh, that would be like Will's Terminator down below <laughs> hybrid. Yeah. Crossover, yeah, crossover. That would be amazing. Yeah, a cool idea. So Corey's thoughts about memory are based on my feedback requests that I put out, sync feedback, or we might remember things we don't want to. Yeah, those are usually a reference to something in the previous episode. Uh-huh. I was thinking about brother, what's his name, remembering. Uh, Edward. Ah, uh, yeah, brother. Sparkly yeah. one. <laughs> That's how I should have remembered his name. I could not remember his name for anything. <laughs> Sparkly one. Well, thanks for all the feedback, everybody. Thank you, everybody. We do enjoy the feedback. Yes. That's mail at downbelowpodcast.com or the website or uh, Facebook. And leave us an iTunes review if you like our show. Now let's do our predictions. The next episode is Dust to Dust. Oh, okay. Um, Feel free to join in, Carl. (laughs) Yes, please, Carl. (laughs) Yeah, my mic stopped working, so I'm trying to figure out how this thing works. So (laughs) Uh, we can hear you. Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, good. So, birth to death. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't really have anything. All I can think is just ashes to ashes and dust to dust. (laughs) I think that the shadows are going to all win in the end and they're all going to die. Oh. That's going to happen next episode? The show is finished. (laughs) No, no, that's just the long, that's the long prediction. Uh, Okay. okay. Pessimist at heart. Um... Sheridan's wife comes back from the ashes. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, but his new girlfriend left already. Dang it. And what about Delenn? Well, yes, that new girlfriend's still there. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see Delenn get all jealous of the new Earth lady. Oh, my God. That would have been that would have been good. It actually yeah. crossed my mind when uh, when she, like, all of a sudden was naked. I was like, and then Delenn pops up on the screen, but Ivanova popped up instead in person, so. I was gonna say, maybe that somebody that they thought was dead will come back, but I don't know who it would be. Or Franklin will take up smoking. <laughs> <laughs> to to stop his stims addiction, he'll start right, yeah. cigarettes. Yeah. Smoking um, would be a very bad habit on a space station. That air pollution. Yeah, that's a hard one. That's very um, big. Hey, hey, you said somebody who's dead could come back? Kodoth! Don't say Kodoth. My heart will break again. <laughs> oh, Kodoth. She comes swimming back in from space. Yeah, we need somebody else for Jakar to play off of, you know? Yeah. It was great when Natoth was around or Kodoth for that brief shining moment was around. Um, it's always good when the uh, when the ambassadors can talk to their their aides, you know? And now he's He's not an ambassador, but yeah. Oh, God, I wonder who's going to replace Veer. No, it saddens me. Mm. Yeah, I don't really have... That's a hard one to predict for. Um, I I don't know. Okay, overall predictions. Thoughts should have come in this episode. I'm really confused about, like, we're going this one place with the government, 
but it's hard to see where the size fit into this exactly. Um, it's maybe they're doing some of the controlling of the thought, like yeah, that the government I mean, is actually doing, like implementing. Yeah, they've got to be behind the scenes somewhere. It's just they haven't. There's really been not much about them. They haven't mm-hmm. even sent somebody to replace Talia. So I guess well, they figure know, that nobody will trust them. But maybe the size are actually being smarter than just EarthGov, who is just sending yeah. someone saying you will do this. Maybe they can send somebody like undercover on the DL. Yeah, they're being more subtle about it, maybe. Yeah. Which, hello, you can read people's minds, so why not? Right. That'd be new for the Psychor, though. Subtlety. Well, yes. Yeah. Maybe they've gotten smarter. I think they're all stupid if they trust Mr. Morden. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. He, just, he just looks shifty. But, yeah, and where's Morden? He's, he's busy on Earth, I guess. Oh. Or maybe he's busy on every planet proposing oh, the right, yeah. question. So, like, I, found, oh, I wonder if he's talked to anybody on Minbar. Yeah. I found it interesting that um, that when they were talking about, like, rewriting the dictionary, that, like, the one thing that she couldn't hand wave away was the Marzies. Oh, yeah. That's our one nod to what happened last season with Mars. I... I... They just, I don't see it going back to them anytime soon, Mars, but yeah, eventually you'll have to. Otherwise, they would, they would not want to remind us of it, maybe. Yeah, I would think so. If it wouldn't come up again, it would just be dropped. Yeah. So when are they going to need the um, disco ball ship? Like, when <laughs> is it bad enough that yeah. they're going to have to call on them? I know. It's like using the, that's. Skeleton Army, Lord of the Rings. You can use them once. Yeah. This is um, your Hail Mary. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I think we'll probably just see them, or maybe not see them, but like hear about them reaching out to other old ones, maybe, mm-hmm. over the over a period of time. Um, this maybe was the first one, and then they'll have a backup you know, plan with different ones. I don't know. I don't know. I, I I can't really picture how this battle is going to be fought. You know, it just seems yeah. like it would be over so quickly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I haven't formulated really that many theories. <laughs> There's lots of questions, but not necessarily answers in my head. I know what you mean, Carl. Anything else? I just think the shadows are going to kill them all, and they're <laughs> <laughs> and the shadows live happily ever after. But do you yeah. think, Carl, do you think the shadows are evil or do you think... No, I think they're you... just misunderstood and they're all cute little teddy bears. Teddy bear spiders. Because <laughs> I think we're only getting one side of the story. Yeah, because everybody has their side. Mm-hmm. And we have the Vorlon side-ish. Mm-hmm. But at what we Not can get of it. Likes the <laughs> exactly. Yes. Vorlons we are kind of stick, the, apparently. We trust the Vorlons so much, too. Yeah. All right. Close this. Okay, hold on. What if they figure out what the other side is? Like, what the spider's story is? And what if they realize that they're on the wrong side? That, like, the Vorlons have been playing everybody and Mm. that they're not fighting for what they should be? Interesting. That would be a twist. Yeah. I'd be down with it if we got a really good explanation, not Uh like a half-assed one. 
Right, because the spiders have obviously done some very terrible things with Mr. Yes. Morden and the Centauri. And destroying the Narnians. Narnians right, Narns. exactly. So, I don't see quite how they could pull it off, but if they could, it'd be really, really good. Yeah, I agree. Well, the Shadows didn't actually, I mean, they did the action of destroying, but they didn't ask for it. They just responded to a request. Maybe that's right. just what they do. So you think they have, but they but they, they requested the request. Yeah. They sent Morden to get the request. So they that they baited him. Been. But they didn't imply anything about destruction or death. They just said, what do you want? But they chose which have, one. He could have wanted a nice hot fudge sundae. That's true. Exactly. Yeah. They could have. We're going to have nothing to talk about right now. <laughs> <laughs> if Londo had just wanted some dessert instead of, you know, genocide. <laughs> That's all Londo's fault, really. It pretty much is. Wanda it is. Did. Yeah. All right. I'm out of prediction. All right. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. All right. Thank you for coming, Lori and Carl. Yeah. Thanks, guys. That was fun. So much lag. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, welcome. Yeah. Hope that you'll come back. Do you have anything you want to plug? Any podcasts or websites or? Um, if you want something really explicit, go to roosterteeth.com. Okay. Yeah, I listened to the, um, or I was listening to, what's it called? Their TV show podcast. Can't remember. Anyway, they have a cool podcast. Who is it? Sorry. Rooster Teeth. Oh, I've never heard of them. But I like really explicit things, so. <laughs> if you want to be explicit, listen to what we make a Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about fleshlights for half an hour. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Well, that's all we have this week, folks. We'll be back next time for Dust to Dust. And until then, goodbye. Bye. 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 Stroke. Bye. Zog. 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 <laughs> Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast.